In Christ's name. This summer, as we uh, gather corporately, as the people of God, we are looking at various psalms from Scripture's book, the Psalms. The book of Psalms is filled with the songs and the prayers offered to God by the nation of Israel. These raw expressions of praise, faith, sorrow, and frustration covers the range, the authenticity of human emotions. Now, I am personally convinced that if the Psalms were written today, they would most certainly be written as country western music. Um, I, I know that's somewhat biased because my radio station has not left 95 Free to Rebel in over a year. Um, but nothing gives us a truer look at humanity, uh, including, maybe I should say, especially our depravity like country music can. Uh, I'm thinking of one song in particular that bridges the theology and human emotion. Uh, the song, God is great, beer is good, and people are crazy. That, that's pretty good right there, right? Um, <laughs> however... What the Psalms provide that country music ultimately cannot provide is a call for praise and hope as God puts songs deep into the hearts of His people that are inspired by His glory and greatness. They, they also provide us conviction and courage to confess sin as God reveals Himself as a Father whose love is steadfast and unending. The Psalms provide us with gratefulness as the record of God's goodness uh, continually reminds us of His protection and provision and even words to say when we don't know exactly how to express our joy, our pain, our need, our questions for God. The diversity found in the songs and prayers of God's people are unified by one element. They are centered upon the one and only living God. A refuge to all who trust in Him. The Psalms are a window into the worshiping life of the people of God and they speak to us today. And they are able to be spoken and sung back to God uh, as we can do that just as the nation of Israel did. I have chosen uh, Psalms 19 as the text, the song and prayer for us to consider today and next Sunday. C.S. Lewis has called Psalm 19 the greatest poem in the Psalter and one of the greatest lyrics in the whole world. So there's no way we could just spend one week on Psalm 19, right? If you are able, I would invite you to stand in the honor of the reading of God's Word from Psalm 19, the very words of God. The heavens declare the glory of God, and the sky above proclaims His handiwork. Day to day pours out speech, and night to night reveals knowledge. There is no speech, nor are there words whose voice is not heard. Their voice goes out through all the earth, and their words to the end of the world. In them He has set a tent for the sun, 
which comes out like a bridegroom leaving his chamber and like a strong man runs its course with joy. It's rising. It's from the end of the heavens and it circuits to the end of them and there is nothing hidden from its heat. The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise and simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The rules of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, even much fine gold. Sweeter also than honey and drippings of the honeycomb. Moreover by them is your servant warned. In keeping them there is great reward." Who can discern his errors? Declare me innocent from hidden faults. Keep back your servant also from presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over me. Then I shall be blameless and innocent of great transgression. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. The words of God for the people of God. Father, as we open up your word, as we hear what you have spoken to us in Scripture, and as we will look at today what you have spoken to us clearly through your creation, would you cause, Spirit, your word to be heard, open our ears, open our eyes to hear and see your word? Would you make that word go down into our hearts? And then as we leave, would you cause the message to continue to go from our hands and to our feet as we serve joyfully our great God. In your name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. When I was a child during the 1980s, uh, there was a game show that would air each afternoon. Apparently it was in syndication uh, during this time where deals were made between the host and a member or members of the audience who were the traders. Traders with a D. T-R-A-D-E-R-S. These traders were known for the various unusual and crazy costumes they would wear in order to increase their chances of being selected as a trader. Now, in the simplest format, a trader is given a prize of medium value, let's say maybe a TV, and the host would then offer them the opportunity to trade for another prize. However... The newly offered prize is unknown. It might be concealed on the stage behind one of three curtains or behind boxes on stage or within smaller boxes brought out to the audience or occasionally in other formats. The initial prize given to the trader may also be concealed, such as in a box, wallet, or purse, or the trader might initially be given a box or a curtain. The trader then have to weigh the possibility of an offer being for a valuable prize or an undesirable item known as a zonk. Let's Make a Deal was hosted for many years by Monty Hall, and now there is a current version hosted by Wayne Brady. Maybe you have seen Let's Make a Deal. Maybe you watch it currently. The fun part of this game, as I played from home, as sometimes as I'm able to still play from home, is in trying to guess where the treasure is hidden. But it is sheer guesswork, pure speculation. 
Discovery of the real treasure cannot be made until the covering is removed and the treasure lay unveiled. So it is with our knowledge of God. Idle speculation about God is a fool's errand. If we wish to know Him in truth, we must rely on what He tells us about Himself. We believe that God has, in fact, revealed Himself in various ways. Our text, our song this morning, reveals two of the primary ways God has chosen to reveal Himself to mankind. And what a treasure this is. There is a God. And He has made Himself known. There is no guessing. There is no trading game. Over the next two Sundays, we're going to dive into the gift of God's divine revelation of Himself to us and what the implications are because of this revelation. This morning, I only want to look at the first six verses of Psalm 19 and understand one thing, that God has revealed who He is and what He is like through the song of creation. Let me say this first. We know, hopefully, we know that God has more fully revealed Himself apart from creation. Most specifically, the very words of God contained in Scripture which we will use, which I will use to support points made this morning. There is a fuller revelation. But today... Let's look at how God's revelation, His general revelation through creation, is given to all and what it means for all mankind. Uh, let me say this secondly. See how I'll sneak these things in? These, not, these aren't main points. These are sub-points. So you can't hold them against me. But the second thing I want to say before we really get started is I'm going to use the phrase glory of God as taken from verse 1 a lot this morning. Here is how I define the glory of God. And I'm going to borrow the definition uh, given to us by John Piper. John Piper says, The glory of God is the infinite beauty and greatness of God's manifold perfections. It's the infinite beauty. It's the greatness of His manifold perfections as God reveals them uh, to us. So if that's the glory of God, then what we are to do is to glorify God. And I'm going to teach the, uh, the children in Sunday school in just a little bit. What does it mean to glorify God's name? To glorify God's name means to uh, show His name, to honor His name, and to enjoy His name as most valuable. You want to try that with me? Watch. Show. This is glorifying God's name, like you have something to show. We want to show His name. We want to honor His name, lifting up our hands as in worship. And then it's like you're scooping in the most enjoyable food you've ever had. Enjoy His name as the most valuable. That is what it means to glorify God's name. So, God has chosen to reveal who He is and what He is like through the song of creation. Three points regarding creation's song this morning. The glory of God can only be conveyed in an overflowing, ceaseless song. 
The glory of God can only be conveyed in an overflowing, ceaseless song. Verses 1 and 2 tell us that it pours out praise. The heavens declaring. It pours out praise. Not in mere hints or whispers, but in deafening shouts of supremacy and splendor. The phrase pours out means to bubble up and over like an irrepressible mountain stream. This pouring out is not a momentary melody, but an ongoing, incessant disclosure of God's power and splendor. Every twinkle of every star, every bolt of lightning and burst of thunder echo His majesty. To all who will look and listen, during the day God is proclaimed in cloud and sky and rain and rainbows. When day is done, the night takes over with the moon and galaxies galore. Together, day and night consistently proclaim one message, the greatness and glory of God. Every song has verses. So, what is revealed about God's glory in the verses of this song? What is revealed about God's glory in the verses? What are they singing day to day, night to night? Sam Storms, in his book, More Precious Than Gold, 50 Daily Meditations on the Psalms, eloquently describes what the psalmist might be talking about in verse 4, where it says, Their measuring line goes out through all the earth, and their words to the end of the world. Hear what Sam Storms describes the psalm might be. And this is probably just one verse of many, many verses. So how do the heavens declare God's glory? In what ways may it be seen? Consider our own galaxy, the Milky Way. Now, get ready for some mind-boggling numbers coming at you. We're considering the Milky Way, our galaxy. It is rather small when compared to what we know of other galaxies in the universe. Our sun is only one of some 200 billion stars that comprise our galaxy. Our sun. Got that in your mind? Our sun is only one of over 200 billion stars in the Milky Way galaxy. It is approximately, the Milky Way galaxy is approximately 100,000 light years across. Now, you may be asking yourself, well, how big is 100,000 light years? Light can travel at 186,000 miles per second. Per second, 186,000 miles. Or 670 million miles per hour. So, it isn't hard to calculate that in a year's time, light can travel just short of 6 trillion miles. So, if you figure all that out, the Milky Way is 100,000 light years in diameter that works itself out to 600 quadrillion miles. Our Milky Way galaxy. As massive as that sounds, as, it's, as small as it makes us feel, knowing that we are tiny creatures on an indescribably tiny planet in an indescribably tiny solar system, Within the Milky Way, there are more than, get ready for this, there are more than 100 billion separate galaxies in just the observable or known universe. Many of these galaxies contain over a trillion stars each. 
Speaking of stars, as noted, our sun is a comparatively tiny one. When we take into consideration the rest of her galactic cousins. Let's recall that the earth is 93 million miles from the sun. Be glad that it is that far, for the sun is 9,932 degrees Fahrenheit at its surface and 27 million degrees Fahrenheit at its core. If you were to replace our sun with a typical supergiant star, the latter would fill up the solar system beyond Jupiter's orbit. Remember, in case you forgot, that Jupiter is 483 million miles from the sun. What a star, tiny little star known as the sun. But I think they're all saying God is elegant. God is exquisite. God is enthralling. I want to repeat the summation of what the earth may be saying in just one verse. The entire seen and known universe, even what is unknown and unseen. What they are all seeing day to day and night to night is God is elegant. God is exquisite. God is enthralling. Before we conclude with appropriate responses from creation to its magnificent creator, I want to make four general statements regarding all that we see and don't see as being the work of the one true God. Now, you've got in your uh, listening guide, your sermon notes there, I think, four statements to fill in the blank. You may want to wait until I make a summary, because I don't know how I've got them worded in here. So just a little listening cue for you. Four statements, general statements, that are what I believe a brief summation, what all of Scripture teaches on creation. Here's my first statement. It would be absurd to think that this complex universe was not designed by a personal and intelligent creator. Listen to Hebrews chapter 3 verse 4. For every house is built by someone, but the builder of all things is God. How intelligent would it be to think that the house one lives in simply came into being? much less this expansively breathtaking universe. However, it is by faith that we believe what the prophet Jeremiah wrote when he said, It is He, the triune God, who made the earth by His power, who established the world by His wisdom, and by His understanding stretched out the heavens. Second general statement about creation is, that from every being, from the highest angel to the lowest worm, every being lives in absolute dependence upon God. The scriptures teach us that God is not only the creator of the heavens and the earth, but he is also the sustainer. Nothing exists apart from him. If he were to turn away from his creation for even a moment, all would perish. We owe our every breath and movement to Him. Listen to Job. In His hand is the life of every living thing and the breath of all mankind. Next, I want to say that we were not made for ourselves. God is the creator and the sustainer of all things in heaven and on earth. 
Therefore, it is not wrong that he claims all things as his own. We belong to the one who made us and are all responsible before him to live according to his will and for his glory and good pleasure. Again, Job says, Who has first given to me that I should repay him? Whatever is under the whole heaven is mine. Listen to more songs and prayers as recorded in the Psalms. The earth is the Lord, and the fullness thereof, the world, and those who dwell therein. For He has founded it upon the seas, and established it upon the rivers. For every beast of the forest is mine. The cattle on a thousand hills. I know all the birds of the hills, and all that moves in the field is mine. The heavens are yours. The earth also is yours. The world and all that is in it, you have founded them. Last statement is that we were created for God's good pleasure and glory. God did not create the universe due to loneliness or because of some need. But simply to manifest His greatness, that means to show His glory, to manifest His greatness and to receive from creation the honor and worship that is due Him. Romans 11.36 says, For from Him and through Him and to Him are all things. To Him be glory forever. Amen. This may sound strange, even a bit self-centered and selfish on God's part, but nothing could be further from the truth. First, God is worthy to take the highest place above His creation, and He is worthy to be the object of all our thoughts, activities, and worship. For Him to deny Himself first place above His entire creation would be to deny that He is God. Second, the greatest good God could ever do for us, and the greatest kindness that He could ever show us, would be to direct all things in such a way that His greatness might be fully displayed before us. If God is of infinite worth, beauty and majesty, then the most valuable, beautiful and majestic gift He could ever give us would be to show us His own glory. Now let me summarize everything I just said. Everything that we see and don't see came into being by an intelligent and personal creator. The one triune God not only created all things, but lovingly and absolutely sustains all things. Therefore, we do not belong to ourselves, but we belong to God who owns all there is. God was not obligated nor had a need to create, but did so for His own good pleasure and His own glory. Let's conclude this morning by looking at what is the response. How should we, as the crowning work of creation, respond to this song of God's glory? Well, our first response to God as Creator should be one of reverence and humility. Reverence and humility. We reverence God to the degree that we acknowledge 
His highest place before us as Creator and Lord of all that exists, regarding Him with the utmost respect and awe. We humble ourselves to the degree that we acknowledge our place before Him as creatures, that we are His possession, created for His glory and good pleasure. When the creation is correctly understood, it works to lay all mankind prostrate before God with reverence, trembling, and a real sense of utter dependence upon the One who made us all. Awe and reverence are inseparable from humility. Psalm 8 says this, O Lord, O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory above the heavens. When I look at your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place, what is man that you are mindful of him and the son of man that you care for him? Our second response is worship and adoration. As we move from reverence and humility, as we see God as He has revealed us, revealed to us who He is, our second response is worship and adoration. How can the creature not worship its creator and sustainer? The debt that is owed Him cannot be measured. Would there be anything if He had not spoken? Could man draw even one more breath were it not granted him by God? How then can we not worship? It would not be wrong to say that the primary purpose of creation, and especially of man, is to worship the God who created us and by whose power and faithfulness we are sustained. The worship of God is our highest privilege and greatest responsibility. When we do worship Him, we are at last fulfilling the purpose for which we were created and why God has gifted us with the revelation of His glory. However, as we have learned and saw in our new city catechism, because of the fall, we are all born in sin and guilt. We sin by rejecting or ignoring God in the world He created, by living without reference to Him. We commit idolatry by trusting in created things rather than the Creator for our hope, happiness, significance, and security. Uh, I think it was just this past week, maybe two weeks ago, I heard this commercial for PlayStation. Uh, PlayStation is a video game console made by uh, Sony. And they were promoting their upcoming release of the PlayStation 4, I believe. Listen to this uh, commercial. Who are you not to be great? You, the imagination of a brilliant child and the powers of an ancient God. Who are you to be ordinary? You, who can rescind life or raise the dead. Who are you to be afraid? You, who can serve as judge and jury while hoarding infinite lives. Who are you to be a slave to the past? 
You who can travel time like the oceans and rewrite history with a single word. Who are you to be anonymous? You whose name should be spoken in reverent tones or terrifying whispers. Who are you to deny greatness? If you deny it to yourself, you deny it to the entire world. And we will not be denied. Wow. Now, I am aware that this is referring to our existence within the world of virtual reality. But, this is typically the song that we sing. And the marketers are capitalizing on this. A song only appropriate for God, and yet we sing it to ourselves, and we invite others to sing it to us, and then we become incredibly upset when they refuse to sing it, or when they're singing it about themselves. You see, as great as God's revelation of Himself in nature is, ultimately, it is incomplete. It provides us with the knowledge that God exists, but does not give a full revelation of God. It does not give us the information about God the Redeemer that we find in the Bible. But, the God who is revealed in nature is the same God, who is revealed in Scripture. The glory of God in nature is ultimately sign glory. Glory designed not to end in worship of creation itself, but to point us to the one who is creator, sustainer, and even redeemer, as he has continued to reveal himself in the person of Jesus as written in the word of Scriptures. As people who have seen and heard and believed in the special revelation of God through Jesus and Scripture, are we using the general revelation found in nature, the sign glory that everyone has received to point others to Christ? If we will but join in on the song of the heavens, the overflowing, never-ceasing song of awe and adoration and humility, we will be reminding ourselves and pointing others to the fuller, greater revelation of God that is in Christ Jesus. But more on that next week. So you've got to come back to see that. Uh, you may be here uh, this morning and are ready to acknowledge that you have never acknowledged and believed and worship the one true, magnificent, glorious Creator. Uh, you have struggled with all that you see, and at the same time, the idea of humbling and trusting and adoring the intelligent and personal designer, the triune God. Well, I have good news. God has been revealing Himself to you through creation song and pointing you to seek out His fuller revelation of Himself through His redeeming and rescuing Son, Jesus, as revealed in the Holy Scriptures. If you want to know more about God and how to be reconciled to Him, do not leave today before talking with an elder or even uh, with myself. There also may be some here today who have received the fuller revelation of God and have trusted and loved Jesus Christ as the redeeming rescuer, but have struggled in worshiping creation more than the Creator. 
The good news is that God has lovingly continued to reveal Himself to you in every sunset and every breath and has provided His Word and Spirit to guide you back to finding complete peace and joy in adoring Him, not temporary and fallen things. Return to Him. Fall into His embrace and treasure Him as supremely wonderful and satisfying. I also know that there are a few who have tasted and seen that the Lord is good and you are not satisfied by creation itself. You find your true joy and comfort only in God Himself. Continue your song. But don't just sing it to yourself. Join in the overflowing, unceasing song of nature and let it spill over. Let it pour out to your family, your community, in your world.